You are listening to the Landmark Sermon Series, a sermon podcast nearly 40 years in the making. You'll hear the voices of our church's founding pastors, Dr. James Reeves and Alan McBrayer, as well as others who helped pave the way for City on a Hill beginning all the way back in the early 1980s. Our hope is that these sermons bless you and challenge you in the same way they have blessed and challenged so many others in the past. For more information about our church, visit www.cityonahilldfw.com. Folks, the mark of a good choir is not necessarily the ability to do everything perfect, but it's able to get back on track once you've blown it. I'm not real sure who did that. <laughs> if it was Cindy or if it was me, it was probably me. We'll talk about it afterwards. <laughs> oh, it was her. I'm glad to know that it was not me for once. For the fi- first time, I, I was right. Isn't that glorious? Didn't you enjoy that? Even with the mess up? Wasn't it fantastic? Amen. Oh, Lord. Thank you, Tony, for playing that with us. Was that piano plenty loud for you out there? Yeah, we brought those monitors way up. <laughs> Y'all were able to hear the piano, weren't you, Clark? <laughs> oh, well, technical difficulties, but praise God, he uses us anyway. And uh, I'm just thankful to God for this choir, this group of people that's growing. Uh, week by week, new people are coming in wanting to serve the Lord uh, with music, and I just thank him for that. And uh, I'll tell you, that choir put that thing together in 45 minutes last Wednesday night, so that's not too bad for 45 minutes or something like that. And... Uh, I'm thankful for them and their uh, willingness to work and serve the Lord in that way. And I want to encourage you, if you like to sing, if you can carry a tune, then come and be a part of our choir and uh, let it, uh, serve with us as we lift up the name of Jesus in music. In the early 1970s, a meeting was held in the city of New York to discuss the growing crime problem. It had gotten so bad that store owners were barring their windows, that people were afraid to go out at night walking on the streets, that all the store owners were putting double alarm systems, and the situation had gotten so bad in the city of New York City in the the beginning of the 70s that they called a meeting of all of the, the civic, the community, and religious leaders to discuss this problem. It had gotten to be such a problem that the entire city was terrorized by crime. It came out in the meeting and and through investigation that there was one group that was responsible for the terrorization of the city of New York, and it was the Black Panthers, the terrorist group, the Black Panthers. And so they called this group together to decide what they could do about it. People were being molested on the streets. Children were being picked off the streets in broad daylight. People were literally afraid to come out of their homes, even in broad daylight. And finally, in this great meeting that they had called together all of these leaders of the city, the FBI had been brought in. One man that was in the meeting dared to ask one of the FBI agents exactly how many of these Black Panthers are there. And the man kind of hemmed around. The FBI agent wasn't really willing to to give that information. He was a little bit embarrassed, it seemed, but he hemmed around, and finally, under pressure, the man kept asking, how many of these Black Panthers are there? The man responded, well, we don't have an exact count, but as best we can tell, we believe there are about 81 of them. Isn't that amazing that 81 men who believed in their cause so strongly that they were willing to die for it could terrorize an entire city of 8 
million people. We think about that and we think it seems almost unreal that that kind of thing could happen. It seems almost beyond our imagination that 81 men could terrorize an entire city of 8 million. And yet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, literally thousands and millions of God's people, Christians, meet together on Sundays to worship. And the effects and the results are almost in very minute compared to worldwide population. 81 Black Panthers could terrorize the city of New York and thousands upon literally millions of Christians meet Sunday after Sunday and the effect in terms of world population is almost nothing. Why? Why can such a thing be possible? Why could that happen Sunday after Sunday after Sunday? And I believe it is because Christians, ministers, and churches collectively have forgotten the priority. They have forgotten the prime reason for which we are even called into the kingdom of God. They have forgotten the prime reason for which Jesus saved us. They have forgotten the prime reason for what we have been placed in the world of sin. They have forgotten the prime priority. And the priority, dear people, is evangelism. Our priority as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is to win others to the kingdom of God. And I believe that is why we can meet by thousands and by literally by millions Sunday after Sunday around the world and have very minute effect upon our world around us. Because we have forgotten, we have put aside the priority of evangelism. So this morning, I've chosen this morning to talk to you about that. Why evangelism must be the priority of the church. Why evangelism, telling the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, has got to be our priority. First of all, I want to say this morning, the first reason why evangelism must be our priority is because of the love of God. It is because of the love of God. God's Word says that God's love is beyond all human reason. It is beyond all human capacity to understand. God loved us so much, John says, that He gave and He gave and He gave. God loved us so much that He gave His Son, Jesus. God's love is so great that He wishes that not one, not even one of His, his creatures, well, not one of his, his creation should perish into separation in eternity for Him. God's love, people, this morning is the first and the prime reason why evangelism has got to be our priority in the church. I believe that God longs in His heart. I believe that God cries within His heart that everyone on the face of the earth should come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I received Christ as my Lord and Savior when I was 17 years old, I began to be impressed with the fact that God loved me. That is why I accepted Christ, because I was told time and time again of the infinite love of my Father, God in heaven. And I wanted that. I wanted to be loved. Oh, and I, I, I love that song. I, one of the first songs that I ever learned to sing as a Christian I should have been crucified. I should have suffered and died. I should have hung on that cross in disgrace. But Jesus, God's Son, took my place. God's love, people. The priority of evangelism. Evangelism must be our priority in the church because of the love of God. Listen to the passage of Scripture in Romans chapter 8. For I am convinced that neither death nor life 
nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that? God's love is infinite. Evangelism has got to be our priority as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to build big churches, not to, to have our name in some paper somewhere that we have a big church and we have the biggest church in the state of Florida. No, 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 no. Evangelism has got to be our priority because of the love of God. When I was in seminary, a student that was in seminary with me told the story of how he had his first child was a son. And it wasn't long after that child was born that it became very evident, the doctors were sure of it, that the baby had a terminal disease. And he showed a picture of the child and it was very obvious that the child was sick. There was something very definitely wrong with his son. And this student said night after night after night, I would go into my, my, my son's room and I would pick him up and I would hold him in my arms and I would grip him close to my body and I would cry and cry and cry. Oh God, let him live. Oh God, let him live. And then when that boy was eight years old, he had another picture that he showed of his son. And this time the boy looked like he was uh, the picture of health. It was obvious that God had done a miracle in the child's life and no longer was he racked with that that terminal disease that doctors had termed such. And then the seminary student said this. He said, you know, all of these years looking back on that, I questioned, why did I want my son to live so bad? Why did I want so much for my child to live? And he said, this is why. I finally decided this is why. Because I wanted him to grow up knowing how much his daddy loved him. I wanted him to have the chance to know how much his daddy loved him. Let me tell you, people, Christians, the world needs to know how much their father loves them. A lost man can't go to a lost man and tell him of the love of God. Only a Christian can do that. Only you have the message of God's love that you can take to other people. An another non-Christian, a lost person can't take the message of God's word. We are having our hands in our grasp the message of the love of God. And God wants us to know how much He loves us. That's why evangelism has got to be our priority because of the love of God. But evangelism also needs to be our priority because of another reason. Because of the splendor of heaven. I'm not going to try to dazzle you this morning with a great theological sermon. I'm not attempting to do that. Many of you may be sitting there right there thinking, man, this is just so basic. It's so basic. Yes, it is basic. It is very basic. But we need to be reminded of the basics. The love of God and the splendor of heaven. We don't know everything there is to know about heaven because God's Word doesn't really tell us all that much about heaven. But I'll tell you one thing, folks. I know for certain that heaven is not going to be off on some cloud somewhere strumming a harp, flapping your wings. I could get about as excited about that as I would about going to a third cousin's wedding on Super Bowl Sunday. That's about how excited I could get about a heaven like that. Folks, that's not what heaven's going to be at all like. There's a lot of things that we don't know about heaven, but there are many things that we do know. Heaven is going to be a place of great reunion. Heaven is going to be a time when we are going to meet, we are going to grasp, we are going to, to hold those that we have loved who have gone before us who have also loved the Lord Jesus. 
Heaven is going to be a time and a place when you see that loved one, that mother or that father or that husband or that wife that died in the Lord Jesus, that loved Christ with all of their heart, and they went to heaven. Heaven is going to be a time when you are going to be reunited with those whom you love, those relatives, those friends. But heaven is also going to be a very glorious place because it's going to be a place where Jesus is. That's the primary concern. Heaven is going to be a place where the Lord Jesus is. Listen to what he said to his disciples, preparing them for the time when he would leave. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. And if it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is going to be a place of great reunion. Heaven is going to be a place in the presence of Jesus. And folks, we are the only ones that can introduce people to that Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. In other words, no one goes to heaven. No one comes to the Father unless He comes through me. You can't do it by works. You can't be good enough to, to earn your way into heaven. You can't be good enough to, to, to merit God's grace. You can only come into the presence of God. You can only be promised of eternal life in heaven with the Lord Jesus through Christ Himself as you commit your life to Him. And we have the blessed privilege, we have the message to introduce people to King Jesus. Reverend E.E.V. E. E. V. Hill, one of the greatest black preachers, I guess, that's ever lived, that's alive today, tells a story about his saintly mother. He says, Mama cried every one of her chillings into heaven. We'd go out on a date and she'd go to crying. We'd come home from school and she'd be crying. We'd ask her, what's the matter, Mama? And she'd go to crying and tell us she's praying for our souls. And Mama, look at my new clothes and my fancy car. Mama, this here good-looking girl is Jenny. And right there in front of Jenny, she'd go crying. That ain't going to matter out yonder, she'd say. What matters is, is you saved? Is you saved? No, I can see you ain't yet. And then she'd cry some more. And Mama cried every one of her children into heaven. And she didn't stop until every last one of them came in and said, Mama, I've been saved. Mama, I've been saved. A saintly mother that, that cried and prayed and pleaded her children into the kingdom of God because she knew the Lord Jesus herself. And folks, that's the way it is. We have the message of eternal life. Evangelism must be our priority because of the splendor of heaven. Because we have the blessed privilege of leading people to saving faith in Jesus Christ in order that they might know Him. We need to pray. We need to cry. We need to plead. We need to sacrifice to take the message of salvation to people because of the love of God and because of the splendor of heaven. But that's not all. Another reason that evangelism needs to be our priority individually and as the church is because of the terror of hell. I've never preached a sermon on hell. I never have. I intend to soon. I've never preached a sermon on hell because I've been a little bit guilty of, of yielding to what a lot of people would say. They would say, Preacher, don't preach about hell. You're going to scare people off. 
Well, I want to know where you're going to scare them to. You're going to scare them to hell number two? I don't believe so. I think that we need to talk about hell. It's a reality, folks. It's for real. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to think about hell. But God's Word says that hell is a reality. It's a real place. It's going on right now and it's going to go on through eternity. And those who go into eternity without the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior will spend an eternity in hell. And so we need to be reminded about it. Evangelism needs to be our priority because of the terror of hell. Let me tell you, Satan has launched an all-out attack to convince people that there is no hell. Talk to a Jehovah's Witness. Talk to a Mormon. You talk to a lot of different people and they'll tell you that's all a bunch of hogwash. There is no such place as hell, folks. Satan has launched an attack upon God's people and upon the world to convince them that hell is not a reality. In 1978, just to give you some proof, a poll was taken, one of those infamous Gallup polls. And it was shown that in America, only 39% of the people who live in America believe in a literal hell. Only 39%. Now, there's more than 39% of the population of America that attends church. So there's a lot of folks sitting in the pew that don't believe in a literal hell. Satan has convinced an awful lot of people that it's not intellectual to think of a literal hell. Somehow it does not measure up to our standards of society to talk about a place of eternal punishment. I couldn't care less what's intellectual. And I'm not a dummy. I, but I really couldn't care less what's intellectual. God's Word says that hell is reality. And people who go into eternity without the Lord Jesus as their Savior go into an eternal separation, an eternal hell away from God. Each and every one of us with that in mind come into contact every day, every moment of our lives with people who are on their way to a Satan's hell. And we don't take the time often to tell them of the love of Jesus. And that is why, people, evangelism needs to be our priority as the church of the Lord Jesus, as individuals in the kingdom of God. Evangelism must be our priority because of the terror of hell. Let me ask you, do you believe in a hell? Do you really believe in the terror of a, of a burning hell? Do you really believe that? I doubt it. I doubt it with most of you. I doubt it. Because if you did, you would have the burn and the fire in your soul to tell that person across the street, to tell that person that you work with that Jesus is coming again and that hell is real and that they need to accept Him. Oh, I pray that if you've had doubts before that you won't leave this place today without that nailed down in your heart that hell is a reality. Hell is a reality. And because of hell, evangelism needs to be our priority. P.T. Forsyth, one of the great British preachers of the last century, tells a story of a meeting that he had with a man in one of the, the British prisons there. The man had been condemned to death. And as they were taking the man who had been condemned to death to his final execution, this reverend, this pastor, P.T. Forsyth, was walking with him and talking with him and talking about the Lord Jesus and about heaven and about hell. And the man began to scoff and began to scoff. And just before he went into the room there where he was to be executed, he turned to that preacher and he said, Preacher, I want to tell you something. If I believed what you have just told me, if I believed that, I would crawl across England on broken glass just to tell one person about it. 
If I believed what you just said to me about heaven and about hell, if I were not in this place and I had that message, I'd crawl across England on broken glass just to tell one person if I believe that. I believe the problem is, folks, that many, many Christians, many of God's people, the world has been convinced by Satan that hell is not a real place. But let me tell you, God's Word says it is. And evangelism needs to be our priority because heaven is a real place and hell is reality. Because of the love of God, because of the splendor of heaven, because the terror of hell, and finally, because the shortness of time. Evangelism needs to be our priority because of the shortness of time. The Apostle James in God's Word says it this way, Your life is like a vapor. It's here one moment and it's gone the next. Your life is like a vapor. Here one moment and the wind comes up and blows it away. Folks, not one of us, not one of us has a promise of life in one moment from now. Not one second from now. Our life, our bodies are so infinitely frail that not one of us has a promise that we have one more moment of life. Time is short. Some people call me a fanatic. Praise God. Some people think I'm crazy because all I ever talk about is evangelism. Some people get kind of tired of hearing me just emphasize evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. Let me tell you, folks, as a pastor, and even before I was a pastor, as a youth minister, I would spend time with families as Wiley and Kelly at the birth of a new baby, the beginning of life. And then that very afternoon sometimes, I would be at a graveside somewhere putting in the ground someone who had been born not very many years ago. And daily, almost momently, I was, I've been made aware of the frailty of life, the birth of a child, the death of a person. From, from the cradle to the grave is just not very far. It's not a very long distance. There's not much time. And we need to put evangelism as our priority because of the shortness of time. And if I'm a fanatic, then praise God I'm a fanatic. I'll accept it if I'm a fanatic for telling people about Jesus. Everything that we do in the church here had better be done for the purpose of evangelism. Everything that we don't do for that purpose, we better quit doing. And anything that we can do for the purpose of winning people to the Lord Jesus Christ, we better get on with the business of doing it and quit putting all our time and all our efforts and all these little things that's why millions and millions of Christians can meet Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and sing their songs and go through their ritual and not touch the world because we've forgotten of the priority of evangelism. Folks, as long as I'm the pastor here, evangelism is going to be our priority. I'll preach it. I'll cry it. I'll plead it. I'll pray it. I'll teach it. Evangelism has got to be our priority because of the shortness of time. When I was a senior in high school was when I accepted Christ as my Savior. I had been saved one month when my daddy called me, my alcoholic old man. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. But he wanted going to be coming through town and he wanted to see me, so I met him off over on kind of a sleazy part of town. He had a beer bottle that had been stuck through his windshield in his car. and It was the middle of the winter and it was awful cold as you drive down the street with that hole in, in the front windshield of his car. And we sat there in the car and we talked and he was drunk. I'd never, I don't remember ever seeing him sober, I don't think, but once in my entire life. And he got to laughing and kidding me about why I was going to the Baptist church. 
somehow he had heard through the relatives and everybody that I had started going to a Baptist church. And he was kind of kidding me and prodding me about that. And, and I got angry, folks. I got mad at my dad for, for kidding me about that. I was a little bit sensitive about it. And I knew that God had changed my life and, and that I loved the Lord Jesus. And it just kind of made me mad to hear my dad sitting there, an alcoholic, whose life was, was so far away from God, sitting there telling me that I was wrong because I was going to a Baptist church. And I got mad, and I told him so. And I got really angry. And I left my father that day that way. We were mad at each other that day when I left him. But folks, the next time that I saw my daddy was six months later. And he was in a box in a funeral home. 41 years old. He had died in a little cheap $2 motel downtown. Hadn't eaten in a couple of weeks. Had spent every penny he had just to get some booze. 41 years old and he died in a little cheap motel. And six months later, his son had seen him. And had, had, had known the message of Jesus and hadn't shared it. I just got mad at him. I just got mad at him. And folks, I don't like to say it. I don't like to own up to it. I don't like to admit it. But my daddy went into eternity without Jesus. And I don't know if I had shared him, shared Jesus with my dad that day, if he would have accepted Christ. I don't know that. But I know that I had the responsibility of telling him. And I know that I didn't follow the will of God. And I got angry. And my dad went away. And the next time I saw him, he was dead. And I read the 23rd Psalm over his grave and buried him. Why am I fanatic about evangelism? Because time is short. I figured I'd see him again and I never did. I never did. Folks, evangelism has got to be our priority. Because of the love of God. Because of the splendor of heaven. Because of the terror of hell. And oh God, because of the shortness of time. Let's pray. Folks, we need to get on with what God has called us to do. We've been doing that here to some extent in the life of this church in the last seven months, but we haven't even begun to scratch the surface. Folks, we need to put evangelism as our priority. And some of you Christians this morning, under the speaking of the Word of God, the Holy Spirit has touched your heart, has convicted your heart, that you have not put evangelism as your priority. And God has put some people on your heart that you see every day of your life and you have not ever bothered to share the Gospel with them. I'm going to ask you and I'm going to challenge you to come this morning before God and before His people and kneel here at this altar and ask God's forgiveness. And I'm going to ask you to come here and recommit your life to that priority, the priority of evangelism. And I'm going to ask some of you other Christians to come here in a few moments when we start this invitation and kneel here and pray for those in our service this morning who don't know the Lord Jesus as Savior. That's where the invitation begins. But there's others of you this morning who have been floating around. You've never really linked your life with the body of Christ you're just kind of floating around and you really haven't committed yourself anywhere. I'm telling you this morning, folks, that you need to get involved and you need to link your life in membership with a local body of Christ so that you can get on in serving with them the priority of evangelism. And you need to find a church like that that puts evangelism, puts the Word of God first, and then you need to commit your life to service there with them.
And others of you this morning, you've heard me talk about the love of God. You've heard me talk about the splendor of heaven and the terror of hell and the shortness of time. And you know in your heart that you've never received Jesus as Savior. And if you were to die right now, if Jesus were to come back this moment, you'd spend eternity separated from Him. Oh, don't leave this place this morning without having received Christ as Savior. God loves you and wants no one to perish. And this morning, the invitation is for you to come. I'll be here at the front. You say, oh, preacher, I don't need to do it publicly. Well, Jesus said it this way. If you will not profess me before men, I will not profess you before my Father in heaven. There is no such thing as secret Christians. Folks, you need to come and you need to accept Jesus as Savior and get involved in living for Him and serving Him. What has God spoken to your heart this morning? What is it that God has moved in your heart to do? Oh, Lord, please don't leave this place this morning without moving forward and doing what God has told you to do this morning. Recommit your life. Come pray at the altar or come and accept the Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed and the choir is going to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. Christians, what has God spoken to you this morning? What do you need to do about getting your life in line with the will of God? You who are here without Jesus, oh, we love you and God loves you. And He wants you to come and receive Him now. Choir, stand with us and sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. You be the first one to step out. Some of you come and kneel and pray that the will of God will be done here. I have decided.